0: Welcome to Follow the Data, I'm your host, Katherine Oliver. Think of the last impulse purchase you made when you were in the checkout aisle at the grocery store. Was it a bottle of soda, a bag of chips, As it turns out, food and beverage manufacturers pay retailers millions of dollars to dictate where their products are placed in the store, influencing the way shoppers interact with food offerings in the busiest aisles. These practices are incredibly effective at getting shoppers to make impulse buys, which tend to be unhealthy. As rates of obesity and diet-related disease continue to rise around the world, Bloomberg Philanthropies is supporting policy efforts that encourage healthier diets, including efforts to raise public awareness of unhealthy food and beverage marketing. One example was the city of Berkeley, California's ban on the sale of junk food and candy in checkout aisles, a first-of-its-kind policy in the United States. In this episode, Christine Momani of the Bloomberg Philanthropies Public Health Team sits down with Sarah John, the Senior Policy Director at CSPI, the Center for Science and the Public Interest. Ingrid De Santiago, the Program Coordinator at Bay Area Community Resources, and Angelica Kotka, a youth advocate taking a stand for healthier food environments in her community. They discuss the deceptive marketing practices food and beverage manufacturers employ to sway shoppers' decisions in grocery stores and CSPI's request to the Federal Trade Commission to bring these practices to light. Ingrid and Angelica also tell us more about the Bay Area's initial reception to the Healthy Checkout Ordinance and learnings from advocating for local healthy food policies.
1: Today we'll be revealing a few secrets about the food retail environment and the work that is happening or work underway to help make food retail spaces healthier. Everyone eats and many of our interactions in the food retail environment include supermarkets or grocery stores, corner stores, big box stores, where we think we have an array of choices. On its face, many of us think that the food retail space is neutral without any influence or sway, and we think that the choices are completely up to us, the consumer. So Sarah, why don't we get started by you cluing us in on what's really happening at the grocery store and why this might not be so? Happy to, Christine. As you mentioned,
2: food retailers like grocery stores are a really important aspect of the food environment. They actually provide Americans with three quarters of their calories. And so while this makes them an important food access point, the grocery store makes healthy choices difficult for consumers. You see, food and beverage manufacturers pay retailers millions of dollars to dictate what products are placed where in the store. These arrangements, called trade promotion practices, give control to food and beverage companies to decide which products retailers sell, how much shelf space is allocated to those products, and where in the store a product is featured, including in prime locations that are highly trafficked throughout the store, like the ends of aisles, front of store displays, and the checkout aisle. Category captain arrangements are another practice food and beverage companies use to control the food retail environment. In category captain arrangements, retailers allow a dominant manufacturer to make key product placement, pricing, and promotion decisions across an entire food category, like chips. These category captains pay retailers to gain access to their competitors' prices, sales, and promotion plans. And then they use this information to dictate not only the placement and promotion of their products, but also their competitors' products. And unsurprisingly, all of this influences what consumers buy. These practices are so effective at compelling impulse purchases that manufacturers now spend twice as much on in-store project promotion as on traditional advertising.
1: Wow, there are so many things going on in the background that most of us consumers just aren't privy to. So could you tell us maybe a little bit about the work that CSPI is doing on a national level to try to bring some of these practices to light? It would be great to hear about the request CSPI sent to the Federal Trade Commission and what your goals were. Definitely. In
2: light of the manufacturer and retail marketing practices that we just discussed, CSPI submitted a request for a federal investigation to the FTC back in February 2021. The FTC or the Federal Trade Commission is a federal agency that's charged with protecting consumers and competition. And trade promotion practices and category captain arrangements threaten both consumers and a fair marketplace. Given that trade promotion practices involve such high entry costs, we're talking about charging $3 million to introduce a new product into a national chain. These trade promotion practices can disadvantage smaller manufacturers and fruit and vegetable producers, and it makes it more difficult for them to introduce new products or expand the market of their existing products. And by giving category captains access to competitors insider information and authority over others' products, the retailers virtually ensure critical retail decisions favor those captains' brands at the expense of their rivals, which raises some serious antitrust concerns. And ultimately, we, the consumers, are the ones who lose from these arrangements. Simply put, when big soda and snack companies control supermarket space, unhealthy foods dominate and customers lack the healthy choices they demand. However, I am happy to report that in November, the FTC launched an investigation that's a broader investigation into supply chain disruption, and they included some of CSPI's requests to disclose trade promotion practices and category captain arrangements from retailers, wholesalers,
1: and suppliers. Great. So what do you hope to be the outcomes of this investigation?
2: Currently, these
1: trade promotion practices, category
2: captain arrangements, these broader manufacturer and retailer agreements, they're really held behind closed doors. We don't know a ton about them. And so the FTC has no policies or rules to counter the risks that food retail practices pose to competition in public health. And as I mentioned, lacks the sufficient and up-to-date information concerning these practices to be able to even develop informed policy. So CSPI hopes that the agency publicly reports its findings. We hope that that provides more insight into the details and the scale of these retailer and manufacturer marketing practices. And then we hope pursues any enforcement actions that flow from these findings that could create a fairer food environment.
1: That is fascinating. And, you know, we look forward to hearing more about this work as it progresses. So knowing that CSPI works on these and similar issues on the federal level, I know that you're also involved with more local initiatives. Could you share with us an example of a local advocacy campaign and tell us a little bit about why it was priority for you guys to work on it?
2: At the local level, CSPI is really working with different community based organizations to be able to advance healthy retail policies and really at the top of the list is is the checkout aisle. So CSPI has been pursuing healthy checkout campaigns across the country. When we say healthy checkout, we're really referring to efforts to improve the nutrition and the food and beverage products sold in that area where shoppers are standing in line to purchase their groceries. It's a strategy that changes the shopping environment to make it easier for customers and their kids to avoid both marketing and impulse purchases of sugary drinks and snacks that are high in sugar and salt that unfortunately currently dominate the checkout aisle. The good news is is that we know that healthy checkout works from models abroad. In the UK, there have been evaluations of healthy checkouts that find that consumers purchase 17% fewer sweets, chocolate, and potato chips, and that these effects are persisting and that a year later, you still see these declines and unhealthy purchases remaining steady. And a healthy checkout ordinance would provide stores with the ability to renegotiate these agreements we've been talking about that they have with the snack and beverage companies that mandate the placement of those products in prime locations in the stores like checkout aisles. And actually happy to report that back in 2020, the first healthy checkout ordinance passed in the nation in Berkeley. And the goal of that campaign was Really, to be able to pass the first healthy checkout ordinance in the country and have it serve as a model that other jurisdictions could modify to meet the needs and potential opportunities in their specific communities. CSPI is currently supporting healthy checkout campaigns in other areas across the country, as well as other healthy marketing policies like healthy end caps and keep soda in the soda aisle campaigns.
1: You know, as you mentioned, food found in the checkout aisle are generally not the healthiest options in stores. You can find sugary drinks, unhealthy snacks, and sugary drinks seem to be placed all over the store. But if we can dive a little bit deeper into local advocacy campaigns addressing these issues in the food retail space, I would love to hear a bit from Ingrid And Angelica about your work in the Bay Area in California. So Ingrid, could you please tell us about Bay Area Community Resources, the communities you serve, and your role in the organization?
3: Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having us here today. I am the program coordinator for Healthy Options at Point of Sale, also known as the HOPS program, and this is a program within Bay Area Community Resources. So as an organization, Bay Area Community Resources works with communities throughout the San Francisco Bay Area to promote healthy development among families, encourage service and volunteerism, and help build thriving communities. I work specifically within the Engaging Communities in Advocacy and Policy, or ECAP, team. And we aim to reduce health disparities using community-based participatory action research and advocacy to dismantle structural race-based barriers to health, to amplify the voices of young people, and to strengthen communities. So I run the nutrition-focused HOPs program in Richmond, California, and I co-coordinate HOPs in Berkeley with my colleague Nefertiti Kelly
1: as well. Wow. That's really important work. And you mentioned Berkeley and Sarah talked a little bit about the Healthy Checkout campaign in Berkeley. So could you tell us a bit more about that campaign and why addressing checkout aisles was so important to you?
3: As Sarah mentioned, in October of 2020, The city of Berkeley passed the first in the nation Healthy Checkout Ordinance, and that was thanks to CFPI's support and more than two years of research and advocacy done by the Hops berkeley team. And this team is made up of high school, college students, and young adult residents dedicated to public health in their city, which is a big reason why Healthy Checkout is so important here. Not only are we helping to shift the accessibility of convenient, nutritious, and affordable food and drinks for everyone from children to parents, but we are doing so by equipping young residents with the necessary tools to address other food and health disparities they face by means of local policy change. This creates sustainable and community-driven solutions to the relentless marketing and promotion of unhealthy snacks and beverages towards families, especially those who live here in low income and communities of color.
1: So can you share with us what kind of changes are now in effect in checkout aisles? What would we expect Berkeley checkout aisles to look like?
3: What you'll see now, if you are waiting in line to pay at most grocery, pharmacy and department stores in Berkeley are healthier snacks that have a maximum of five grams of added sugar and 200 milligrams of sodium per serving. Any drinks at checkout now have no added sugar or artificial sweeteners. This looks like nuts, protein bars, dried or fresh fruit, whole grain crackers, water, 100% juice, and of course, items that have always been there like hand sanitizer, chapstick, and batteries.
1: I imagine that this is a big and noticeable change. What has the initial reception to these changes been?
3: Local consumer and retailer reception has been very positive overall. HOP spent a lot of the campaign doing outreach and gathering feedback along the way. So residents are glad to see their input has been incorporated and that they can now choose healthy snacks easily on the go for similar prices to the candy bars that were previously there. Many parents have been vocal about their appreciation of healthy checkout for making a more empowering and less stressful experience when shopping with their kids. And store owners and managers have also been curious and supportive in wanting to meet the needs of their customers. To speak to data, we have been grateful to receive nutrition guidance from Dr. Jen Falby along the way and throughout Berkeley's campaign. She is currently heading an evaluation to identify initial impacts of this healthy checkout policy. So we can expect those results to come soon.
1: This is fantastic work. And I think we all need a little less stress in a grocery store. Can you maybe share any other emerging healthy retail campaigns in the Bay Area that you're working on?
3: Absolutely. There are three other healthy retail campaigns currently happening in the Bay Area. As I mentioned, I'm working with a group of young people to pass a healthy retail ordinance in the city of Richmond which not only includes the same healthy checkout standards, but would also keep soda in the soda aisle. Thanks to CSPI's creation of the keep soda in the soda aisle campaign, Richmond could be the first city to implement it into a policy. Additionally, due to popular demand from residents in Contra Costa County where Richmond is situated, HOPS is also advocating for a healthy retail ordinance throughout unincorporated areas of the county. And this policy advocates for healthy checkout standards, along with another groundbreaking piece, including condom accessibility in retail stores. And then the third HOPS team is based in Oakland and led by my counterpart, Chapa Cubillas, they are very close to passing healthy checkout throughout the city of Oakland, where they have received outstanding support. So definitely keep your eye on the news for these three emerging policies.
1: So what can consumers do to start advocating for healthier environments and policies in their communities?
3: I would say start by talking to your neighbors and community, including family-owned convenience and grocery stores. Remember that the owners have a stake in local health and economy, not only through their small business, but as consumers themselves. You might start with an idea for a solution that you already have and ask around how this may impact others. Or you can talk to your neighbors about health and food access issues and ask what solutions they think could help within the retail space. If you're aiming to pass a local policy, it's most effective to focus on one or two changes across stores so that you can really see the whole process through. You could also work directly with retailers to make changes within individual stores, though research shows that policies tend to have a longer lasting impact, while voluntary changes don't always last when managers turn over or circumstances shift. Either way, gathering input and support from families, local retailers, and other community health advocates is a sure way to build people power and show policymakers and residents alike that you are actively working towards healthier stores. Lastly, if you are in any of the cities who are already campaigning for healthy retail, like the SF Bay Area, Miami Gardens, Florida, or Atlanta or Savannah, Georgia, to name a few, please get involved. We always welcome more participation.
1: Thanks, Ingrid. You mentioned some of the work happening in Richmond, and I wanted to acknowledge what a treat it is to have Angelica here with us, an amazing advocate. I am so inspired by the generation of young people who are speaking out and really taking a stand to ensure a better future for themselves and others globally and nationally. We've seen so much youth engagement around social justice and climate change issues, and increasingly around food systems issues. Angelica, please share with us what inspired you to begin working with the HOPS team, and why is it important to you to create healthy environments in your community?
4: Honestly, at the beginning, it was an internship, you know, I was just getting into high school and I just wanted to, you know, join something. But after I joined Ops, I learned about a lot of what happens in these environments in grocery stores. I learned about how racially, you know, people of color, the kids of color are targeted more with these ads and how companies spend so much money in order to get us to, you know, impulse buy something at the checkout aisle. And just knowing how much adversity it's going on and just like having family members like me personally, I dealt with high cholesterol because I would not watch what I would eat my freshman year of high school, which led me to go on a very strict diet in order to avoid any heart problems. And having family members who do have heart problems because of everything they eat like everything combined, like it was my biggest motivation in order to work with HOPS. I've been with HOPS for almost three years now, since 2019.
1: That's amazing. And it sounds like you've done so much work. So I'm wondering, so far, what have you learned about advocating for public health policy in your community? What I've learned is it's
4: really difficult, but if we have the current, you know, if we have the want to do it, it's possible.
1: You're absolutely right. Advocacy is hard and it takes a really special person to do it. So thank you for your work. In addition to the advocacy for healthy checkout enrichment, can you tell us why you and the team were motivated to push even further for keep soda in a soda aisle in your specific policy?
4: Well, we are, you know, trying to make checkouts healthy, but this does expand our work beyond just a checkout. Sodas, they're very high in different things like corn syrup, caffeine, caramel coloring, phosphoric acid, brominated vegetable oils, and so much more, which makes these ingredients so unhealthy. And it contributes to declining community health in general. So that is why we're looking into this as well as healthy checkouts.
1: Definitely. Addressing the food and checkout aisles as well as keeping soda in the soda aisle is really important. And I was wondering if there are any other issues in the grocery stores that you and, and your community would like to see addressed by future advocates? Personally, I would like
4: to see them address like the fact that we do have a food desert. It's really hard to find organic, healthy foods in our community. Almost everything has added chemicals in order to preserve them longer. And it also leads to health decline. So I feel like that would be something I would like to see people addressing in our community.
1: Angelica, I can tell that you are a force to be reckoned with. So finally, what would you tell other youth to encourage them to get involved in advocacy projects in their communities and any advice you can share with them on getting started? I think that it's all about passion. If you're interested in
4: making a change, if you want to go into anything that helps the public, I think it's something that, you know, it doesn't hurt trying out because it's not just about healthy checkout, but it's about your community in general, working with, you know, making your community healthier, learning about the disadvantages of being a youth of color, learning about how it's all targeted and like spreading awareness. And I think the advice I have, just go for it. I know we've had some people who in our group who were like, okay, this isn't my cup of tea. And it's okay. And if it's not, then you can always go out and try out new things. But with me, I've been with HOPs three years and If I could, since I'm graduating this year, I would have still stayed in Hobbs because it was my cup of tea. So I think it's, you know, it's not wrong trying something out because it ranges so much from holding interviews to going out and, you know, gathering data and learning about so much new things that I think you will find your passion in one of the things that you do.
1: And if not, it's totally okay. I love that, Angelica. And You know, we realize the importance of hearing from you and other youth advocates who are working toward a better tomorrow. So again, we thank you for your contribution to this discussion today and all the work that you do and will continue to do in the future. This has been a fascinating conversation. And I just want to give a big thank you to Sarah and Ingrid for discussing these topics with us today. It's wonderful to have organizations and teams working on behalf of consumers to ensure a healthier and more equitable food environment. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you
4: for
3: having us here today.
1: Likewise, thank you so much. Mm -hmm.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Follow the Data. Many thanks to Christine Momani, Sarah John, Ingrid de Santiago, and Angelica Kotka for joining us. As always, the views of our guests are entirely their own, and Bloomberg Philanthropies hasn't independently verified any of the statements made by this episode's guests. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to Follow the Data. This episode was created by Amy June, Sarah Washington-Gogan, Jean Weinberg, Amanda Mack, Devin Alessio, and Lauren Nolan. To learn more about CSPI's work, follow at CSPI on Twitter. As our founder, Mike Bloomberg, says if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So until next time, keep following the data. I'm Catherine Oliver. Thanks for listening.